Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. Man, this little book we've been talking along this theme, church people. <laughs> oh, we've all met some church people. We all know what that means. That commenters that images in your mind when you say church people. I mean, uh, you know, that, that stirs some stuff up in you. The world certainly has an opinion of what a, a church person is, you know. He's high and holier than thou. And perfect people who sit in judgment of everybody else. You know, the world thinks that's what a, a church person is. And, you know, church people themselves have an opinion of what a church person is. Inside the house of the Lord, we all have our own opinion of what it means to be a Christian and how we ought to live. And if we're not careful, we'll start superimposing those opinions on the lives of other people around us. And we'll put them under the bondage of our requirements and what we think's right and how we believe they ought to live. How many of y'all are glad today that you're free in the Lord Jesus Christ, that when He sets you free, He sets you free indeed. I'm glad that the Holy Ghost will purify this house. I said this in the early service. I'm going to say it in this one. It's not my job and it's not your job to make sure this house is pure. We're incapable of it. The Holy Ghost will do a fine job of purifying His house if we'll just allow Him and submit ourselves to Him. Man, church people themselves have an opinion of what we ought to be and what you ought to be. I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in what the Lord has to say. What is it that He expects of us? And what does He look at His church and say, these are the kind of people that I see. I believe this book outlines for us clearly three categories, three types, three men that John's not afraid to call by their names. And I believe these are really the only three categories that exist in a church. And we'll find a bit of them. I'm going to caution you. You'll find a bit of these in everyone. Every, all of ourselves will find some of these in us. And there's nobody in here that won't find some of these people inside you as you go. Some of these attitudes, some of these actions will certainly be there. Man, we'll find them in every church. Not made up of, of a perfect group of people. The only time the bride's going to be perfect is when we get to glory, beloved. Right here, we're just fallen men and women. And we're going to find these folks in the church. Man, we'll find that one of these categories probably dominates our lives and could describe us well. I want you to honestly consider today, which one am I? Not which one are they. Which one am, am I? What do I do? How do I conduct myself in the body of Christ? How do I see myself in this? This book is really a great place to do what I call take a, a, a selfie, a spiritual selfie. How many of y'all ever taken a selfie? I mean, I would admit it. I know everybody has. It has a cell phone. Now, my kids do different things than I do. They got like poses and things. Ah, ah. All kind of stuff, you know. The, ah, yeah. I mean, they do it all. I don't do that stuff, but every now and then, take a selfie. You look at it, don't like it, take another one. I mean, that's just the way it is. And this book is that. You can look at it and you can see what you look like. You can see where you are and it can apply to your life. We've already seen one type of person, the, the helping person, the partner. That's Gaius. He was beloved by all. Great spiritual reputation. His resume was excellent. He was faithful. He was focused. He was a fellow helper. And there are some people who are a helper to the gospel ministry. There are some people who are a genuine help to everything you do. That when you move out under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they, they, there they are. Every time and they're forwarding the cause of Jesus Christ. They're just, just a help in the ministry. They do the church credit. They do the Lord credit. They do the truth credit. And they help further the gospel. Gaius was called a fellow helper in 
verse 8, that's one category, a partner, if you will. And I love partnering with people in the gospel. The second category we saw was what I call the hindering person. The word that hallmarks him is the word preeminence. Diotrephes loves to have the preeminence. That means I love to be first. That means I've got to be at the head of everything. That means if I'm not in control of it, if I didn't come up with the idea, if I didn't do the groundwork, then it really isn't worth my time and I won't be at it. The only real good stuff this church is doing is stuff that I'm involved in, that I'm leading that in, and I want to control everything that's going on. That kind of attitude can crop up. That prideful attitude that goes before a fall those actions, man, can prop up, crop up in every one of our lives. And there's a bit of diatrophies in all of us, a hindrance to the gospel and the message and the work of the church. John says that this kind of person may not even know the Lord. He said in verse 11, man, if you do good things, man, that's of God. But if you do evil things in the house of the Lord, I don't believe you've even seen God. And that's what he said. It's hard to imagine today that there's people in leadership People in pulpits, yay, across this nation today in the house of the Lord that are controlling things and running things and they're the one ramrodding things and the sorry truth might be they may not even know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. What an assessment John makes in these moments. I don't want to be a hindrance to the work of God. Baby, I want to be the grease in the wheels, baby. Let's, let's get it working like it never has worked. Let's get him loose to do what he never has been able to do. Let's do something to help the work of God and not hinder the work of God. Third person I'm going to cover today, and i got to do it quickly. I promise you. You buckle your seatbelts, and we'll see what the Holy Ghost tells us. This is the heralding person. That's in verses 12, 13, and 14. Just three short verses. You'd be careful not to just read over them, but to gain from them this truth that there are people who are the heralding people in the assembly of God. Let's read this text together. Now, Demetrius, I love that name, has a good report of, say that three-letter word with me out loud on the count of three, one, two, three, all men, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. Verse 13, I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. Verse 14, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak, the apostle says, John, face to face. That carries with it a little weight. He's saying, I'm coming. And I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that are going on in your midst. And I'm going to see you face to face. And then I love the turn. Now peace be unto thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. This heralding person, the Christian life, beloved, ought to be marked by happiness. A Christian ought to be a person that's happy in some way, shape, or form. I'm not afraid of that word. I don't try to divorce it from joy and, and separate it completely. I believe a joyful person is, is happy somewhere in their life. I believe you can't, you can't say, I'm just never happy, but I'm joyful. I believe it's going to bleed out of you somewhere if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is going to birth happiness in your life. I remember when I was on the road selling auto parts, I'd been in a man's shop about four times. He called me in his office and he said, son, I want you to know something. I got my eyeballs on you. I'm watching everything you do. I said, why? He said, because nobody ought to be as happy as you are. And I believe you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And I'm watching you. Somehow the world ought to look at a Christian and say, how in the world could somebody be that joyful? How 
could they be so happy in the midst of what's going on? How is it that they are like they are? That ought to hallmark our life somehow. Doesn't the entire book of Philippians, and I hope you say yes because I preached through it to you, the book of Philippians exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. A Christian ought to be happy. Anybody bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, bound for heaven, a child of the King, ought to somewhere along the way say, I'm happy about this life I have in Jesus Christ. I love that song we used to sing as kids. If you're happy, what did we say? And you know it. Clap your hands. Was well, anybody happy today? You ought to clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, what else did you get to do? Man, I loved it as a little boy because in church I didn't get to stomp my feet much. But when we sang that song, I got to stomp. So I'm going to ask you, if you're happy and you know it, you ought to stomp your feet somewhere out there today. I can hear you a little bit. And then what did he say? If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely short. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. And the third one was what? Shout! Amen. So I'm going to ask you today, if you're happy and you know it, give the Lord a shout and amen right where you are. You ought to just say, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm happy, Pastor, and glad about it. I'm happy. And you know, I love the end of it. They got really radical. There was a verse that said, if you're happy and you know it, what? Do all three, baby. Hey, just, just break out. And do all three of them. So I'm going to just let you preach a little while before I get started. Man, if you're happy in the Lord today, I challenge you to stand to your feet, clap your hands, shout unto the Lord. And man, you stomp your feet, dance, if that's what the Holy Spirit will allow you to do. But the Christian ought to be a happy person, man. You ought to be joyful in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world ought to look at you and say, what in the world have those people been drinking? How many of y'all, hey, they ought to, beloved. They ought to. Ought to see something different about us. Now, I'm not talking about a circumstance-based happiness. I'm talking about a happiness and a joy that's there no matter where, no matter what you're facing. A joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. That was fun, wasn't it? Christian life ought to be marked by happiness, but beloved, make no mistake, it ought to be marked by holiness. To live as a child of the King, you ought to live a holy life. Say, Pastor, you're talking about perfection now. But I am talking about with the overall tenor of my life, reflecting something of the glory and the honor and the majesty and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that lives down inside me. Paul said, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? And then what did he say? God forbid. Don't do that. He said, man, live, walk worthy of that call that's in your life. Somewhere, somehow, the holiness of God, that perfection that is God. And I hope you understand that when we come to worship today, we're not coming to worship some God or any God. We're coming to worship the holy, high, righteous, pure, and perfect God of this universe. And man, there ought to be something of that holiness reflected in the life of his children. And man, it ought to be in his church. Man, there ought to be something about the people of God that's different than the world. What does the word say? Come out and be ye what? Separate and different. When the world looks at us, they ought to see a different way of living, a different kind of integrity than they have. You say living with perfection? No, but you ought to as best you can live openly and honestly and righteously before the Lord and before this world. That's not humanly possible, I don't believe. You must have the Holy Ghost to do it. I heard a story that rekindled in my memory uh, this, this man. 
I'd heard it before, but I heard it afresh and anew just yesterday. He's a fellow golfer of mine, and he's rather like me. Sometimes when he hits the ball, he's not altogether sure where it's going to end up. And, and it can end up in the fairway, but most times it ends up in the woods somewhere, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to hit your next shot out where you can play it. And on one particular day, he, he struck a, a drive, and, and it found its way out of the fairway into the woods, and it hit a plate glass window in a house. And by the time he had gotten over there, that window shattered and had fallen out on the ground beside that house and her lady's golf ball. And, man, he went and knocked on the door. Nobody was home. You know what I might have done? I might have said, thanks be unto God. I did my best. Ain't nobody home. I got away with this. I'd have gotten my golf cart and buzzed on down the way, baby, saying, hey, hallelujah, I don't have to pay for that man's window. But that's not what he did at all. He went back and found himself a piece of paper, wrote his name and address and phone number on it and said, if you need me to help you financially in any way with this, give me a call and left it at that man's house. I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure I'd have had the fortitude to have done that. But here he is saying, man, I'm going to be who I say I am. And it was as natural for him as breathing to say, I'm going to help this gentleman and I'm going to do the right thing in this moment. Am I talking about perfection? No. But I'm talking about the overall flow of my life reflecting something of the glory and the majesty and the righteousness of Christ that lives down inside me. I challenge you, you ought to bow your head right now and say, Father, would you allow me somehow to reflect your holiness in the life that I live? I, I challenge you, Father, would you help me, Holy Spirit, to be that person that I claim to be? Oh, that the character of Christ would somehow bleed out of the things I do in my life call today is to holiness. Thirdly, a Christian ought to be what I call a herald. To herald something means this, to announce it, to proclaim it, or to make it known. That's what a herald does. He makes something known. Paul fancied himself a herald of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said it over and over. I'm just an announcer of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just here telling you what this truth is. I'm just here inviting you to come in and allow the Lord to change your life by His mercy and by His grace. Man, I had a, a great day yesterday. Just a fabulous day. Went to Pigeon Forge with the Joy Singers. Man, we just had the time of our lives down there. We had two buses, one little car which had my daughters in it behind me. They went with us and, and had another little van with some folks in it. I think all told I counted up about 30 folks that were down there with us. We went to the Dixie Stampede Christmas show. The show was outstanding. How many of y'all ever been to that down there? It's worth your trip. I'm here to tell you to go and see them proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. We had wonderful food. Man, they brought that that little chicken out there, I got to tell you, I tore it all to smash with no utensils, no nothing, with just my fingers. And as the Lord would have it, a lady sitting right beside me said, Pastor, I don't want my chicken. Would you like it? And I said, Hallelujah, and praise be unto God. Hand that thing down here. And beloved, I had two chickens right there at the Dixie Stampede. Man, it was wonderful. I'm not here to preach about that. Lastly, we saw the, the lights. We went out and cruised up and down the strip looking at the beauty of the Christmas lights and the Winterfest and and it hit my mind. I thought, man, I can't think of any of these trips I've ever been on that I didn't find my way to a McDonald's somewhere. And anybody that's been with me will tell you this is the truth. I can't think of many of these trips I've driven this bus on that I don't pull into a McDonald's and get myself an ice cream cone before I go home. That's just a good way to settle everything. So I was looking for the McDonald's as we were heading back down through there. And off in the distance, another sign caught my eye. And it was a green and white sign. Way down at the end of the strip on the right. Had two K's in big red letters. Double K. Krispy Kreme. Hallelujah. Can anybody say amen? Man, hallelujah. Man, that arrested my thought process and arrested my mind. 
And it came out of my mind and it went through my mouth. I said, guys, it might be good to stop at the Krispy Kreme before I'd ever thought about what I just said. And man, some people in the van began to encourage me just a little bit. They, yeah, Pastor, that'd be pretty good. I, I think that'd be good. Is a hot sign on now. Yeah, glory to God it was on. We're pulling closer and closer. A few red lights away. I thought, man, I'll never get to the right. Here we are, a convoy of people in the middle lane on a, on a Saturday night in Pigeon Forge. We'll never get to the right. I looked in my mirror, and as God would have it, the right lane was completely empty. I took it as a sign from Almighty God Himself. And I put my blinker on, and we turned in the right lane. You say, did you stop? Oh, yes, baby, we stopped. Three dozen donuts hot later. I mean, there we were, having a time of our life. The sign was more than... And I could bear beloved. It was a herald that come inside, man, and we'll bless you. We'll make your day if you come in. Uh, right now, there's these hot, wonderful, fat-filled, cholesterol stuffed, glaze-covered treats of a lifetime that'll make your day if you'll come in and get them. A herald, beloved, that I couldn't resist. And alive, I had one guy, we were handing them out, and I heard him mutter under his voice. This can't be any better, any less better than the manna that God sent from heaven down in to feed the children. And I was about to say amen, but my mouth was full. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't do it. Man, it drew us in. Well, the Christian ought to be live in such a way and be such an individual that he is a herald to the world of the word of the living God. He ought to live his life in such a way that people are arrested by him and drawn in. Not come in and we'll make you day. But we ought to have this message. Come in and man, he'll change your life. If you'll come into where we are, you'll find purpose and freedom. You'll find love and forgiveness. And man, you'll find something that you never knew existed. But something that you've been looking for all your life. That ought to be the message of the church of Jesus Christ. We ought to be the heralds of the King of Kings. You say, do we have a word to say to the world? Yes, we do. At Christmas time, we ought to be saying the King has come. How many of y'all are glad at this holiday season we understand the truth that it isn't about trappings or trimmings or trimmings? But it's about the coming of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Word says the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. We ought to tell the world, beloved, that the King has come into this world. Like those shepherds out in the field. What a message we have. Unto you, the Word said, is born this day in the city of David. What? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. What a message we have for the world. Not only do we need to say the king has come, we need to say the king will come. That he will come into your heart and your life today. It's not something that's reserved for a select few, but anybody who will call on the name of the Lord can be saved. You can have this joy. You can have this peace. You can have this happiness. You can live with this holiness. Because if you will allow him through faith and repentance, the Lord himself will come. And he'll take up residence in your life. And the Holy Ghost himself will give you authority and power to live a life right here on this planet. What a message we have to the world. Not only the king has come, not only the king will come, but beloved, maybe we need to shout this one louder than all the rest in the temperature of the world today. One of these days, beloved, the king is coming. That's our message as a church, that one of these days, time will end and Jesus Christ himself will step out on a cloud and call his children. Thessalonians tells us that the Lord himself shall descend with a loud shout and with 
with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the word says the dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And what does the word say? So shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a message that the world needs to hear, beloved. And I don't believe it's too many days away that the king is coming again. How many of y'all understand we have a message that nobody else has that needs to be shared. We must be heralds of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as we go. The king is coming. You say, how are we going to do this, pastor? Well, there are two clear ways that we need to herald this message. Two clear ways. It's not rocket science. Ain't going to blow you away. But I hope you'll go out of here and practice them. They're clear in this text. The first way is this. We need to learn to display it with our lives. Verse 12 says this. Demetrius has a good report of all men. Demetrius has a, a good report of all men. Scholars speculate, and I believe they're right, that Demetrius was probably the carrier of this epistle. That when John penned it, he sealed it, he put it in Demetrius's hand, and he said, go and take it. And he's in this letter, put a, a recommendation, if you will, to the people that would receive it, to Gaius and the others, saying, this is a good man. This is a man of good report. This is a man who's been tested and passed. A report means this, that you've been examined, that you've been observed, that you've been tested, and the results have come in. That's what a report means. Man, when I was little, I could keep mama fooled about what I was doing in school for a long time. But beloved, when the report cards come home, what happened? The tale was told. I mean, it was evident what I had done, how I'd conducted myself, how I'd studied. Lying was no more a possibility. Mama had the report in her hand. And you see, Demetrius had been tested. The report had come in. And man, John says of him, he's, he's passed. He's a good man. I want you to note two things. One, life will test you. Don't you ever forget that. It's a truth. Life is going to test you. The Word says, doesn't it? Don't be surprised when these things come your way. Don't be surprised when you undergo trials and diverse tests and tribulations. Life in and of itself, just to live in this world, is going to test you. It always will. Those tests may be small, they may be big, they may be trivial, and they may be tragic, but there is a test that's coming into your life every day. There's a life that's going to test you. I heard a story of a guy, and maybe your tests are like this sometime. He woke up one morning, and he had a king-size waterbed. He woke up one morning, and in the middle of that waterbed, he found, guess what? A little puddle of water. He thought, oh, my soul, this thing's leaking. Man, I'm going to have to figure that out and fix the leak. So he went around draining the bed. He called a couple of his friends, and they drug the mattress outside, hooked a hose up to it, and began to fill that waterbed mattress back up. Why? So he could spot the leak and try somehow to patch it and save this mattress if he could. Well, the more water that pumped into it, the heavier it got and the more cumbersome it was. And they were trying to roll it over at one point and got loose from them and took off down this hill and jumped into a big pile of bushes down there. Well, he stood by and watched as his waterbed was punctured over and over and all the water just ran out on it. And man, on the ground, how many of y'all ever had a test like that? Had one little problem and all of a sudden it turned into a massive problem right before your eyes. And you're thinking, what in the world, Lord? I thought you was on my side and you let my waterbed roll down the hill and get massacred down here and all the water's out. Well, he got upset. He said, I'm not going to have that happen in my life again. Went straight to town, bought him a conventional bed, had his folks come back, helped him set it up, made it up, went to bed, went to sleep, woke up the next morning. Guess what he found? A puddle in the middle of that conventional bed. 
rolled over and looked at the ceiling and found out that there was a leak in the upstairs bathroom and it was dripping down on his bed. How many of y'all ever been there? Glory to God. He even had the wrong problem in your life. I mean, didn't even have the right test identified in your life. I'm telling you, tests, life's going to test you. It might be something like that, something you can wave off. It might be something huge. But life's going to test you. That's the bottom line. The only thing we have control over is what kind of report will we gain at the end of it. Life's going to test you, but I'm going to tell you, the world is watching you. Church people are watching you, I guarantee. But more important than that, the world is looking. And sometimes that test comes into your life so that somebody who's watching you will see you go through it and pass it. And they'll think to themselves, how did they handle that? How did they do that? I don't understand what it would take to be able to overcome and endure such a thing with joy. Not perfectly, but with joy. And still with your faith intact in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll look at you and they'll say, man, I wonder how they did that. And that little test and that good report that you have might result in somebody not spending an eternity separated from the Lord Jesus Christ, but coming to know Him as their Lord and their Savior. You may never even know about it, but rest assured, the world is watching you. Church, let me tell you, the world is watching us. They're watching how we conduct ourselves in this house. They're watching how we treat one another, how much we love one another, and what comes out of it. You know what I hear from unsaved people more than anything in the world about churches? Did you hear, Pastor, that that church down there split? They got mad at one another. I know all about it, and I'll tell you. Man, they're happy to tell me about what's going on bad. I I thank the Lord that this little church has a different reputation, that when folks run up on me, they say, Pastor, I hear what good things God's doing. I hear that he's moving there. I hear that he's blessing people. I hear that the church is growing. And I hear that the word's being preached. And I hear that he's there in your worship. And his name's being exalted. You ought to give the Lord a praise, church, because you're tested for sure. But you're coming through it. And you got a good report. Thanks be under the Holy Ghost of the living God. Man, I tell you this, how can we herald the message of Jesus Christ? We learn to display it with our lives. Look at Demetrius. He obtained a good report from all men, not just church people, but from everybody. He obtained a good report from the measuring stick. I love what John said. He said, not only of all men, but of the truth itself. Jesus said of himself, what? I am the way, what? The truth and what? The life. That's truth with a capital T. That means I am the truth. And man, if I can have a good report of the truth, which is Jesus, Jesus Christ, I've really done something. And he said, man, Demetrius has a good report from the measuring stick, Jesus Christ himself. Even from his mentor, John Pauls, to say, let me tell you something. I've seen this man in action. I've watched him. You know I don't lie. And I'm here to tell you, he is what he says he is. A good report from his mentor. Man, I don't know about you today, but I just want to somehow herald the message of Jesus Christ. Every day that I live, perhaps the best way you can do it is learn just to display it through your life. Second truth that I want to show you. How do we herald this message? We display it with our life. Pray today. When the, Lord, when the tests come, let me get a good grade, a good report for the kingdom's sake. Secondly, we need to declare it with our lips. Look at verses 13 and 14. I'm going to share this quickly, and we're going to close. John said to them, I had many things to write. 
But I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. Verse 14. But I trust I shall shortly see you. And we shall, what's that word? Speak. Face to face. He was putting diatrophies on notice. <laughs> he was saying, brother, if you're still in town when I get there, you and I are going to have a conversation. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are going on. And anybody else that's there, understand, I'm coming. And it's easy to talk about the old son of thunder while he's a long way off. But when he walks into the house, it's going to be a different measuring stick. You're going to have to see me face to face. And you see, there's sometimes that we need to learn to declare the gospel with our lips, face to face. Yes, display it with our lives, but there comes a moment when you have to share the message of Jesus Christ face to face with great boldness. Yes, with love. Yes, with grace. Yes, with mercy. Because that's the nature of the message. But with boldness face to face. Tammy and I were in a grocery store. I think it was the last week in October. We were getting a few things and it was pretty crowded in there. And we, we came through the line and we were making note with the guy rigging us up and the guy bagging it. They'd already put all the Christmas decorations out, man. They had all the Christmas promo, all the Christmas stuff set up. We were talking about it a little bit. And we said, man, we had not even eaten the turkey yet. I ain't even had the gravy yet. I ain't even had the mashed potatoes yet. I hadn't even really had time to think about it. And here I come in the grocery store and I got the stockings and the tents on the wrapping paper and all the stuff that has to do with Christmas. And we were talking about this. The guy that was bagging said, yeah, I had a lady come through and tell me happy holidays the other day and I don't even know if I'm ready to start saying happy holidays everywhere. My little wife spoke up and in the kindest, sweetest, but boldest voice that I've ever heard her use, she said, well, I'm going to tell you, we don't say happy holidays in our house. We're Christians and we're children of the King. And we say Merry Christmas at our household. So you say what you want, but we belong to Him. Always have, always will. And so far as we're concerned, Christmas is about Jesus Christ and Him coming. And we're going to proclaim that message through our salutations. We'll tell you Merry Christmas. I was down there going, Preacher, where were you? How many of y'all? Hey, hey. I, was, I thought, man, I'm supposed to be the pastor. And here she is out there boldly seizing an opportunity to tell somebody that it's about Jesus Christ. Man, I braced myself. It was pretty crowded. I thought, boy, we're going to get castigated right here beside the beans and the, gr and the corn. We're going to get castigated. And man, the little guy checking groceries out, he said, yes, ma'am, I am a Christian myself. And I told my boss, man, when people come through and tell me happy holidays, I'm going to tell them Merry Christmas. And if he has a problem with that, he can cluck me out right now and send me home. How many of y'all hear what? And I said, wow, praise be unto God for somebody is that bold to say, hey, what I I believe is just as legitimate even more so than what anybody else believes and I have the right to boldly proclaim it. I'm not talking about being a, a Christmas clubber. I'm not talking about now taking the Bible and rolling it up and, and looking for somebody to say happy holiday so you can say Merry Christmas bless God and, and beat him over the head. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about taking an opportunity as the Holy Spirit leads you because he's got to lead you. He's got to lead you, and He's got to open the door. I'm talking about taking the opportunity as the Holy Spirit leads you to proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ boldly where you are. And when you proclaim it, beloved, it's got to be with grace and with mercy. How many of y'all understand that when the Lord spoke to you, can you remember it? Was it a condemning voice? No. I remember it well. It was a a voice of great love and compassion and care and concern for me. 
And a voice that was just making available to me the greatest thing in the world. Church, we need to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ with boldness. We need not to be afraid of social pressure or what's politically correct. Beloved, we need to understand that the most important message in the world is that the Son of God left the glory of heaven. And He was born of a virgin on this planet. And that He lived a perfect life without sin. And that He took a walk to a Roman cross and He willingly laid that life down and shed His rich royal blood on your behalf to pay the price for your old sin and, and my old sin. And that they buried him in a tomb. And three days later, he came out of that tomb victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. And that he now sits at the right hand of his father, ruling this universe that he created. And that some glorious day, not too far away, he's coming back again to set everything in this world just right the way he, that he intended it. And if you'll respond to him with faith and repentance, you'll have a part by his grace throughout all eternity to be with him. That's the message that the world needs today. And beloved, we don't need to be intimidated or fearful. When the Holy Spirit opens us up a door, we ought to take it and share it with all the grace, all the mercy, all the love, and all the boldness that we can muster. Church people, man, those words conjure up some images. If you look at that selfie you take with this book today, where do you fit? Are you that helping person? Man, sometimes I find myself there. Sometimes the Lord's in control and I'm, I'm really doing what I should and just being a help to the ministry. Just partnering with people. I'm going to reiterate what I said. If you're waiting to partner with a perfect group of people, you're going to be waiting a long time. Man, just partner with this group of people right here where you are. I, I believe it would be astonishing what we would see the Lord do if we'd just lock arm in arm and walk forward for the glory of Jesus Christ. Am I a helping person? Sometimes. Gaius, yes, sometimes. Am I a hindering person? Am I proud and haughty? Am I wrecking and holding back or criticizing and controlling all as God's doing? Man, I don't want to be that, and I know you don't either. I know that's in me. It's in my flesh. The Word says, in my flesh dwelleth what? No good thing, man. Thanks be unto God in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that when I have that in me, the possibility to live without hindering the ministry is there. Man, I don't want to hinder the ministry today. How about a herald? You know, some people are gifted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people can walk into any room, say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believeth in him will never perish, but they'll have everlasting life. Now, would anybody like to be saved? And you'll see everybody in the house will get up and, and come down. Billy Graham was that way. Simple message of the grace of Jesus. Call people out and they'd come to repentance. Some people have that anointing and that gift to, to call people unto repentance. You may not, but I'm here to tell you, you have a responsibility with your life and with your lives to share and herald the message of Jesus Christ with the giftings you have and the places he, he puts you and with the boldness the Holy Spirit gives you. I want to be that guy. Once you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are and I'm going to ask you to do something for me today. In way of imitation, this is a self-examining book. There are some parts of the words that are celebrating. There are some parts that are challenging. It's always challenging. 
There's some parts that just like a surgeon will cut to the bottom of who you are, just you and the Lord. This is one of those books. And today, as you look into it yourself, would you utter this prayer if the Lord would lead you? Father, would you help me by your Holy Spirit to be a partner in the work of the gospel ministry? Not somebody with the preeminence, not somebody that has to be first. Help me just be a partner with folks. Work with folk in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, would you help me today to be a proclaimer? Would you help me, perhaps with my life, first and foremost? Because I'm going to tell you, sometimes you can say something with your lips, and if your life doesn't match it, ain't nobody going to listen to you any old how. So man, help me to display it with my life, and then not unsay with my lips what I've said with my life. Help me to proclaim it with them. Would you just pray that? Would you pray, Father, help us to be a group of people who work together. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.